Digital marketing seems to be the mystery that most entrepreneurs struggle with, and real estate investors are no exception. The truth is, there are multiple avenues to success. Those experiences will be best shared by the guests on this podcast. My name is Jason Wright, and I would like to welcome you to Real Estate Investor Marketing Stories. What is going on? Jason Wright here. Welcome to episode number 32 of the show. And as usual, we have a great guest, but what is different, this guest is not the same type of guest we normally have, so you'll see some of this going forward for two reasons. One, right, cool people reach out that it makes sense to me, and the guest lineup kind of fits my my high ADD. Uh, I want to do different stuff and get different angles and perspectives, so that's what you can expect. Expect the unexpected. But before I introduce the guest, random thoughts from me. As always, I will tell you what, and when I'm recording these random thoughts, I literally don't ever have notes. I, they come to me right here, right here as you're hearing it. This was the first take uh, as when I'm talking about it. One really strange thing for me about living in the deep South, nobody, as far as other contractors and businesses, nobody seems to have any urgency with anything. So again, I'm from central Indiana way I was raised, work hard, get ahead, play hard, that type of thing, just from a really high level of generalization. Down here, we are in the process of trying to get some different things done for our house, getting a pool, uh, getting a roof repair done, et cetera, et cetera, a couple different things. And I feel like I am the general contractor for all of these projects. It blows my mind because it's like, wait, I'm paying you to do something, but I'm the one doing all the damn work. It's the strangest thing in the world. And I just, I don't know how these businesses are in business. I guess it's normal. It's okay down here, but it's really, really frustrating to deal with. It's not just Southeast Georgia, it's Northeast Florida as well. It's the same island mentality. It's very, very laid back, very chill. Days turn into weeks or months in some cases, and it's just bizarre. Like, I feel like I could start a company to compete with a local home service company and just tell my team, like, we're going to actually do shit fast and we would be, we'd be at a very different league than everybody else. Very, very strange. So that's not the way I'm wired, my friends. Uh, I take action and if I tell you about something, I'm already doing it. But man, these folks around here, it's, uh, it's a different mentality. Anyway little bit of a rant for you, I guess. My guest today, I met this guest this year in March. Salt Lake City is a name you've probably heard of him, Yakov Smart. Really cool guy. He's the founder of a company called Investor Attraction Academy. He's a host of the Raising Capital Show and then the author of the book Disrupting LinkedIn. He is a marketer like I am, but we do different things. Uh, he is also six foot five like I am. He is from Georgia, like I'm not, but where I'm at now. So he's in Phoenix somewhere now, but really nice guy. Actually, one of three people that actually bought me a housewarming gift when we moved from Indianapolis, Georgia, which I did not expect at all. So his company is focused on helping capital raisers like mine is, but he really helps on the front end or the traffic, kind of the lead gen part of things through a couple different avenues, LinkedIn messaging, webinars, et cetera. And he's been doing that for a while. He's pretty dialed in and a lot of you probably recognize his name. So 
let's check out this conversation I had with Yakov and get into it. It was a good time for sure. So let's let's see what we had to say. What is happening, my friend? Welcome to the show. Hey, happy to be here, Jason. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I've been uh, wanting to get you on here for quite a while, my friend. So for everybody uh, watching and listening, this can be a bit different than what you're used to, uh, and you'll figure that out really quick, but I think you'll enjoy it. So tell me, my friend, how did you get started down the road with digital marketing for real estate investors? It's It's been a long road. It's been a windy road at times, like I know yours has been. I actually sold my first product online in about, when was it? 2015. I was fascinated by this marketing thing. I was sitting there as a college student in my little apartment in a little town called Statesboro, Georgia, Southern Georgia. And I you know, quickly realized that the thing that I was going to school for was kind of BS and that it is like, okay, it's not for me. So I have to figure something out. So I started getting into, okay, the make money online thing sounds really, really intriguing. So did some research, had a podcast back then just talking about like personal development, basic stuff like that. And I was like, I have this idea. I'm going to write an ebook on how to succeed in college because that's you know, what I had done. I was going to graduate early, all that kind of stuff. Now I'm going to sell it and I'm going to make buckets of money. That was my ambitious plan. So what did I do? I, I actually did write the ebook. I believe it's even still on Amazon. It's called Get College Right. And what I would do is I would post in Facebook groups, like these little blog articles, and I would drive what we call traffic to my website, start building an email list, actually sold a few copies, didn't sell a gazillion of them, but sold a few and for like, you know, 20 bucks a pop. But that was my first getting, getting my feet wet in the world of digital marketing. And then, you know, that started to evolve. Eventually I was consulting people on using LinkedIn to generate leads, you know, putting themselves out there, working with business owners when I was living in Vegas started doing a lot of live events, teaching digital marketing, kind of building my brand that way, building up my business. And then 2020 rolled around. I think people listening probably remember 2020. It was a bit of an odd year, right? So 2020 rolls around. I'm doing these live events and I have kind of an oh shit moment, right? I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on the, on the show, but okay, awesome. So I have this oh shit moment because this thing called COVID was happening and the live events went away. I was like, oh shit, you know, it's it's time to pivot. It's time to go all digital. And coincidentally at the time, some people in the real estate investing space started reaching out. They're like, Hey, I've heard your stuff, you know, with the lead generation LinkedIn, could I use that to find investors and raise capital? Maybe I said, well, I believe so. <laughs> Pretty much the same thing. You know, you build relationships, you know, book calls, generate leads. So started kind of molding my system for that, put out an online course, I believe in April, 2020. And I had you know, what people call an evergreen webinar funnel. So what would happen is people would go to a webinar, it'd be pre-recorded, it ran in real time, and I'd sell the course. It was a pretty, fairly low ticket course at the time. And I was like, okay, this is going to be my thing because people were buying, people were eager, the stuff worked. And, you know, things started evolving and snowballing to the point where late 2021, I was like, okay, let's make this that much better. Let's make this that much more turnkey where we set up some of those key systems with people and really give them that hands-on strategy, coaching, and guidance. So that's where it's been evolving too. Um, so like I mentioned, it's been kind of a long, windy road. But what's really cool about this is with digital marketing and with being online, we can take a lot of human psychology, right? What, what builds trust, what makes people tick, what inspires people to take action. And we can really leverage that out one to many, right? And really use some of these principles in a way. And I think with capital raising, it's a little bit different because 
you're talking to sophisticated people. It's not like buy this $27 trinket right now, your life ends, right? It's a little bit different. So it's really been fascinating to see how the two kind of merge and marry. And I think I personally, I think I don't know if you'd agree with me. We're still in the early adopter stage of what I call investor marketing. Well, you know, this realm of passive investing where the average person out there who's an accredited investor doesn't even know like what a syndication really is. Yep. No, I totally agree. It's amazing. I ask this question all the time. I talk to new people. Tell me what your process look like to try to generate calls. Okay. If you have a call with somebody who's accredited and let's say they don't invest or they're not sure, like what's the follow-up plan look like? Or even if you have a raise, like how do you announce that? And the, the lack of like any plan at all, it, it's, it's prevalent. It's like, whoa, whoa, really? So yeah, you're, you're right. We're still in the infancy with what you do and with what I do. And that's a, it's a beautiful thing for us, right? We can educate people. We can help people. We can see people win. But you know, if you just think about email, how long, I mean, email has been out for what, 30 years, like mainstream in business, there's still people. So you know, with capital raising, will there always be the face-to-face -face piece? I think so, because it's such a relationship-driven business. But like you're saying, digital marketing can just really help amplify and scale that and do some cool stuff. So, yeah, it's a big thing. And, you know, to touch on that point, you know, I think a lot of people who are out there raising capital are investors. They have the investor mindset already. Like, do you show them a deal? They'll look at equity multiple. They'll look at IRRs, all that kind of stuff. I think a big thing for people is to translate that investor mindset to marketing, right? Because marketing isn't an expense, it's an investment, right? When people invest to work with you, for an example, it's an investment. You're building out assets for them. They're going to use for years to come and increase their cash flow, to increase their net worth. Same thing with my stuff, right? So I think that's a really important perspective shift that a lot of people who come into this space and want to raise capital and do bigger deals, and maybe they don't come from a marketing or sales background. Maybe they were an engineer or a corporate employee. It's a big perspective shift that the sooner people get that, the easier it becomes. And then you don't look like, oh, yeah, I don't want to spend money on markets. Like, no, I want to invest as much as humanly possible if I'm getting the return, especially in building out these assets, because it's a short-term and a long-term investment. Yep. So since we're both marketers online, this is uh, to be interesting. Was your road early on, was it instant success for you or was it fail city? I know for me, it was, it was horrible, dude. It was just failure, 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 failure. And I'm like, what am I doing wrong? What was it like for you? With a decent amount of failing, I'll tell you one thing that was a turning point for me. I remember this was right before I graduated. So this was, I graduated in December, 2015. And I was like, I was going to fail city at the time. So I was like, shit, I need to make something work. What am I going to do for a living when I you know, move out to Vegas? Because that was my plan. I was going to go, go to Vegas and live the, the glitzy, glamorous life out there. And so I remember I had a podcast, you know, just talking about like mindset stuff, you know, back in the day, because I thought a podcast was a good digital marketing tool. And this was early in the days of podcast. I had this guy in my podcast and the first, yeah, I asked him a question. He's like, dude, don't ever ask that question because it's a basic question. The, the question was, Hey, tell me a little bit more about your background. He's like, you know, that's a generic question. You can just read someone's bio or like, you know, pre-record an intro. And I was like, yeah, that's a good point. Kind of caught me off guard. So I ended up doing some coaching with this guy and he had an online business. I don't know what he was generating at the time. I think, I don't know if he was doing seven figures, but he was doing at least multiple six figures and he was charging $500 a month for, for coaching. 
Like you, you got to call with him every month and just kind of like brainstorm some stuff. So I put it on a credit card. I didn't have $500 a month at the time. And I was not so smart because I didn't actually book calls with him. So I'm paying $500 a month every month and I'm literally doing nothing with this. Yep. And then I started doing something, started realizing that, hey, small business owners could use some help with digital marketing. And so I got on a coaching call with him and I was like, yeah, I'm doing this thing and this thing. Because at the time I was like really like WordPress websites and then a little stuff. I was basically doing stuff people would pay me money for. I was like, oh, someone can pay me money for it. I'll figure out how to do it. Right. And I mentioned some of the LinkedIn stuff. And he's like, dude, LinkedIn, like not many people are talking about that. If you can generate leads on there, you just stick with that and you'll be, you'll be more successful. And that was a really, really good piece of advice because it allowed me to get a little bit more focused and kind of get out of the fail city and start creating products and services around that at the time, because that was what was really relevant. So I think, I don't know, you know if you can relate to this, but I think one thing that holds people back with digital marketing and even in the capital raising game is trying to do way too much, trying to be way too broad and trying to be everywhere at once. And, you know, you just don't have the bandwidth or the resources usually starting out. Right? Maybe someone like Grant Cardone does, right? But you know, he's been in the game for a while. He's got a big team. He's got a nine figure business. Like you can't start where he's starting from, right? So yeah, to answer your question, definitely a lot of failure setbacks. I still fail often, man. I'm still learning. I think it's one of the beautiful things, right? Because if you're not failing, if you're just kind of like I'm coasting, you're probably not really growing, right? So it keeps me invigorated. I enjoy testing different things, different campaigns, different you know things in the journey. Because I also think of marketing as like the customer journey too, right? You know, all the different touch points, like what's the person going through? And I think another thing that people kind of miss in this space of capital raising is they don't think of the investor journey as an investor journey. And I know you're really good at helping with that. Okay. What happens when someone joins the list? What happens after they get an offer, right? What happens after they invest with you, right? How often are they hearing from you? What's their experience? Because, you know, it used to be, we all used to live in these little villages or towns, right? You know, thousands of years ago, and you kind of like had your little small community. And now there's like this paradox of choice. There's millions and millions of people to potentially meet online. And so to create that same effect, to create that same level of familiarity, it, it does take multiple touch points. The cool thing is that can be systematized rather than hoping, hey, you know, this person's going to think of me on Tuesday, how they get an email on Tuesday or they see your social post. So it's, it's really thinking about the human experience as I've evolved. I think about that more now than like even any specific marketing tactic. Because that's more fascinating to me. And I think it's that much more powerful. Yeah. The human psychology piece is the part I enjoy the most. And what's weird is uh, humans are so unpredictable. People will always do something and you're like, wait, what? That's interesting. I never really thought about that. So yeah, it's interesting. And like for me, I sold my time first. The first thing I ever did online and made money was copywriting. Actually, it wasn't even that. It was when people used to hack SEO and they would take articles and stuff them full of filler words and it would work. So some guy on Craigslist paid me $100 to stuff 10 articles and it was so much freaking work. And I was like, I'm not going to get paid. And I remember my son was like two, my daughter wasn't even born. And this guy paid me through PayPal. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, I can really make money online. So I started this brand. I thought I was going to be a motivational speaker. I was writing a blog about quitting a nine to five and found Upwork. And I started noticing, say I got hired to do some blogs. I was like, I don't want to do this stuff. I'm not going to scale this. But I started noticing people uh, wanting these little projects with like active campaign and Facebook ads. So 
I started making money that way. And it took a long time before I actually sold an info product. I remember the first time I did, I was like, oh my God, it works. It works, you know? And it was like a 69 or $59 deal. And yeah, the most expensive intro product uh, we ever sold with a course now that we sell, it's a four-figure course, but it's not the main piece of the business. It helps, but selling the service kind of like what we do now has been you know, my best thing. So very, very cool. Let me ask you this. I'm going to have to mix up my questions. I have little talking points I look at and I'm like, Q2, that doesn't make any sense. Let me ask you this. What do you think from the people that you talk to and work with, what seems to be like the one common thread you see with investors who start to attract passive investors into their world? Is that, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's a lot of things. I think the first one, it's going to sound really, really simple, but it's, it's having the courage to ask and to put yourself out there and to be seen, right? That's the very first thing, right? Because what happens with our minds sometimes, we put something out on social media or you send someone direct message or you send out an email. It's like, what are people going to think? Who's going to judge me? I don't want to make an ass of myself. So the courage and the willingness to take action in spite of the fear and to know, hey, nothing, nothing bad can happen, right? Worst case, no one responds. Cool, whatever. I did something today. And so that's a really, really big thing. I think that's the difference maker because what usually happens is kind of what I see. People start off as LPs, right? Passive investors. Sometimes they, they start off doing like smaller deals and they want to like scale up to multifamily and they're like, okay, now I need to raise a lot more capital. And this is where, you know, the marketing piece comes in. And for a lot of people, it's something they've never done. So it's almost like, hey, there's an overwhelming amount of things I could do. I don't know how to do them. And it's also the fear of like being judged, being laughed at, you know, not doing it right. You know, this quote unquote perfectionism that holds people back. So I think it's the courage to put yourself out there, the willingness, I call it the willingness to suck, to be bad. Maybe, maybe you're on a podcast and you sound like you're the most boring guest in the world, or, or maybe you, you, you butcher things, or maybe you're so nervous, like your, your palms are sweaty and there's vomit on your sweater, right? As, 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 a, as a guy went once that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> But, uh, you know, it's having that courage and having that willingness. And I think also if there's a part two to this, it's thinking of things in terms of systems where it's not a one-off because, you know, people are all about leverage with real estate investing. It's such a big thing. We hear that word all the time. And then they, they don't translate that to marketing because I believe effective marketing is systematized. It is organized. Maybe you're, you know, investing some time into creating stuff or having conversations, but the foundations of the system should run pretty much on autopilot that that's my belief anyway so humanizing that understanding you've got to apply the leverage piece right and again that's looking at it as an investment looking at it from the investor mindset and then the other thing i'll add too is it's that intimidation thing like sometimes people are just flat out intimidated like, who am i to be putting myself out there friends and family it's one thing i can talk to them about a deal but you know this successful person in corporate, who am I that they would invest with me? You have to understand, it's a saying that I heard, I think it actually comes from the Bible, but I heard it from a mentor a while ago. In the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. So if you have any investing experience, if you know anything about passive investing and you're on this journey, you know more than most people out there. You've probably forgotten more than most people out there. So it's having that leap of faith and, you know, 
oftentimes the hardest part is just getting started and really being committed and making a decision. So what I hear you saying is it all boils down to mindset. Everything comes back to mindset. That's one way to put it. It's not a juicy way to put it, right? It's like, oh, these guys talk about, but yes, it comes down to mindset and it comes down to backing up that mindset with action, right? That's really, really important. Beautiful. You are wise beyond your years, young brother. You, you have, we are, but it's something that nobody, it doesn't matter how successful people are, nobody can get away from it. You're going to have moments and you may have them often where you hear that voice and you just need to learn to say, Hey voice, STFU, shut up. You know what I mean? So it's powerful. So I'll, I'll be honest. I'll share a, an example. I made a post recently, Facebook and LinkedIn. And as I was putting this idea together, I've launched so many things that have failed in the last eight years or almost eight years that I've learned that you want to pre-sell offers before you build anything. It's so much better. Yep. So I made a post recently. And so this would have been in probably in July of 2023, maybe June, I think it's July. And I some people are not going to respond well to this, and some people might. It's going to be very polarizing. And the post was generally, I have this idea for this virtual cigar and bourbon social club and mastermind. There might be income qualifications, blah, blah, blah. Because in my mind, I'm, there's about 10 or 15 people who I know who might see this who might actually really like this. And I put it out there. And Facebook, eh, I get some like super negative responses, not through Facebook people calling us and stuff is really weird. And I'm like, there's what we're talking about in this side. And you looked at each other. It's very interesting. And then on LinkedIn, I actually got some good feedback. So then I, I kind of looked at the feedback and kind of revised it and talked to some people. And then I said, okay, here's my next idea. So I made a little video. Here's the headline for the, what I'm thinking about. There's three levels to it. And it's, you know, it was affordable for the everyday man. It gets more expensive as you add in the mastermind piece and that type of thing. If you're interested, sign up for the wait list and tell me what level you're interested in. And here's the range of price the level is going to be. Sure. And I actually have like five people that are pretty serious about getting rolling with this thing, which is cool. I guess well, people, I would build this thing. It's pretty interesting. But sometimes you have to be willing to ruffle feathers and, and even really piss people off in ways that don't make sense uh, in order to see what works. So one of the, the fun things to me about marketing Marketing is just the, the human relationship, the human conversation online. It's the same thing. You build relationships, you maintain them, et cetera, you do it in real life. But when you get to uh, test and see how people react to things on social, it can be scary. But embrace the fear, my friends, because if you're, like, like you said, if you're not failing, you're not doing much. So anyway, that was a long story to say that yeah, I took a little chance recently, and I think overall the, the positive far outweighs the negative. And I think I've, I think I've got an interesting angle or a social club and, and, and mastermind around cigars and bourbon, something I really enjoy. And the people that have done that stuff with me in person, they know exactly what I'm talking about. And those are some of the people that are interested. So it'll be mostly fun, but also helpful for business. So we'll see what happens. We'll see. Yeah, that's really cool. And one thing to add to that too is people get so triggered that they're going to call your office. That says a lot more about them than anything about you. That's, that's something... There, so you, you triggered something and that's their problem. That's something that they need to process. So this goes for anyone listening. Let's say you post something about, you know, Hey, I just did this deal and Hey, I just got a check in the mail for, you know, how, and someone's like, how dare you talk about that when there's people struggling, like, you know, stuff like that. It's, you just got to brush it off. It's like, Hey, it says more about them than anything about you. And that's, that's where that detachment comes in. 
Yeah, I actually heard a saying the other day, and I'm going to try to paraphrase, I'm going to butcher it, but it said something like, sometimes people value you most when you serve a certain role in their world. Like sometimes if you grow beyond that role, people start treating you poorly because they liked you better when you were struggling or better when you had less. It's really weird, but again, it's about them, not you. So mm -hmm. I can't remember. It was nice and clean, the saying, but I'm like completely butchering it, but you're getting the basic idea. Yes, yeah, of course. Let me ask you this. This will be interesting. In your business, we'll mix it up a little bit. What would you say the biggest mistake is that you've made in your marketing? And it may be mistakes, the wrong word. Maybe you were like, Dang it, I should have done this two years sooner. What's been like the biggest eye opener for you? I mean, we could be here all day, right? There's been a lot of wow, Mark. I'm sure you can relate to that. The first thing is coming out with the higher ticket, more turnkey offer sooner because that was a, such a big game changer. Everyone won, everyone got more value. We obviously generated more revenue. It was just a, a better foundation. And it's still, I still get to do what I do best teach and like kind of consults and it's just it's a it's a better model for everyone because I was, I was sitting there i was like okay you know i'm selling i'm making money on autopilot essentially like you know people are buying these courses on webinars I'm like it's cool like it's nice but it's not going to get me to where i want to go and I, I kept kind of butting my head against the wall and then i get distracted with another offer and then it, things kind of came full circle that process took about a year and a half to really understand the next thing too, this is something recently is I didn't focus enough on teaching content. So, you know, a lot of our stuff is about direct messaging, which can be very effective and very powerful, but the content piece, it's such a quick win for people. And it's one of those things like kind of had a paradigm shift around this myself, but if you think about all the people on social media, LinkedIn, TikTok, Facebook, I don't care what channel, what percentage of those people are posting content on a regular basis, like three or more times a week. I guarantee you probably less than 1%, maybe less than 0.1% because there's billions of people online, right? So even if your content sucks, just by doing that, you're really standing head and shoulders above people. Now, if you have a little bit of strategy, now if you're being relevant, well, and it's free to do, it costs no, no extra money to post something. What's the worst that can happen? A few people see it, no one engage. Okay, cool, post something the next day. So that's something that we recently really integrated into the program. And I think it's one of those things that people just, once they get it, they get it. it it's like you, you open up the floodgates and people are hooked and they have great success with it. So that's another thing. The other thing as well is making sure that people have this personalized path that people understand the bigger picture, right? Cause I think online. It's so easy to get distracted by shiny objects and little tactics and, you know, little things when the bigger picture is like, okay, what's driving traffic? What are you doing with that traffic? And can you systematize this? If we were really to simplify it, then yet, you know, someone's like, oh, you know, TikTok ads are really cool. Maybe I can do that for capital raising. Oh, I should start a YouTube channel. This dude is doing that. Like, now let me get on video and like, let me buy this like studio, studio setup and let me buy 10 courses. So it's really streamlining stuff. I think the biggest service you can do someone and same thing goes for capital raising, by the way, is if you simplify the vision and give them something they can hold on to and really grow with and grow from, I think you've done that person a major service because there's so much noise, so much distraction. It's another thing too, is just cutting out the noise. You know, sometimes like, I don't know about you, but my experience on social media, I'm a happier person when I'm not consuming on social. Yeah. I want to consume on social. 
I can go, but I'll block off like five, 10 minutes and I'll go and indulge if I, if I feel like it. Very rarely though. Most of the time, it's like, you know, you want to create more than you consume, right? It's like one of those things. So especially on social media, you know, use social media, don't let it use you. Pop in there, post something, ideally it's a pre-scheduled post and then pop on out, go about your day, do your thing. So it's like having focused time. I'm really big on flow these days and having focused time where it's like, okay, I've got a very kind of a deep project and really getting that done because otherwise you're doing, what's the saying? You're doing things that are important or the things that, that are urgent, but not that important. But sometimes the most important things don't seem like they're that urgent. So it's a bit of a paradigm shift that way. Yeah. You just said a bunch of really good stuff. You'll see my mind works this way. There's one thing very, very brief I want to focus on. You said something that I really liked. You said, even if your content sucks and you do it consistently, you're in the 1%. It's something that I started preaching about a year ago to the date, roughly. But touch points, in my opinion, are even more important than content. I think content's important, but frequency is monstrously powerful. And this is something we talk about. It's like, if people are in your world, they're in your email list, your text list, and you're making touch points, they will forget what you said because they're getting emails or getting stuff from everywhere. All of us are. They won't forget how you made them feel, but what you don't want is you don't want them to forget about you. So touch points are like brand awareness. And if people get an email from you, a new deal or whatever you're doing, and they don't recognize it, that's where you fail. If they're like, who's this? How long this is? If they recognize it, even if they don't open it, they still remember you. It's very powerful, man. Some of the best stuff I've done in business is uh, just lengthen the different parts of our funnel where we continue to contact people. It doesn't get more intense. It just happens for a longer duration and it makes a massive impact. You know, I had a, a person buy from me earlier this year and they were in nurture and in my funnel and my stuff for 18 months. And I was, holy crap, when did we talk? And I started, they were like, no, I was getting the emails here and watching this Facebook group you have here. It was a YouTube channel and I would see the newsletters and I was, you were in getting all that nurture and I never even knew you were watching. So I went and looked at their history and sure enough, they've been on the website a ton. They've been doing all this stuff. Wow. It wasn't one piece of content where they were like, I'm in. It was the touch points that kept me relevant in their world. And I was like, that's just a powerful lesson. So. Yeah, it's, it's huge. And you said something there that I really like too. This took me a while to realize dealing with email marketing, for example, like, okay, what was my open rate? What was my click-through rate? Well, let's say you email a thousand people, even if, you know, 200 of them open it, let's say 800 of them. Some of those people saw your name in their inbox. That's huge. They saw your name. They're like, oh, there's that person again. Okay. What does he do? There he is again. That person talks about that. Okay. I need to look at that sometimes because there's so much noise coming at people. So that frequency is huge, that frequency and staying relevant. And I think, you know, I forget this sometimes too. I'm like, oh, that person's been on my list for a while. You know, they're tired, whatever. And then sure enough, someone just comes around. So some people have different cycles. And it's also important to sometimes, you know, give people a chance to buy and be a little bit more intense. You know, I don't know if you do this with your list, but like, hey, have an offer. Sometimes, you know, we can have nurture content. Sometimes let's, let's talk about the offer. Well, how do we actually work with people? Or, hey, when people invest with us, what, how, what does that actually look like? Or, hey, here's the deal. Here's the timeline. Like, if, you, if you're not going to commit your capital by this point, you're, you're going to miss out on the deal. Like, it's, it's facts and figures. So I think sometimes people get, it's, it's almost like there's a spectrum, right? There's one side of the spectrum where people are like, 
okay, I'm not going to stop. I'm just going to give, 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 give content value, content value. And they're, they're really good at that, but they're not making enough offers. And on the other side, people are just making offers. So you don't hear from them. And then six months go by now, they have got a deal and you're out of here from them three times a day. Deal alert, act now. Oh, I mean, we got to be in the, in the happy middle, right? I think that, that's where the magic really happens. I saw uh, one of those come through my inbox actually twice this morning, one of my clients, and I was like, God, tone that shit down. I saw the email an hour ago, you know, it's like, oh man. So yeah, there's definitely a balance to it, but I, I love it, man. All right, let's throw you a curveball. This will be fun. Let us get to know a little bit about Yakov. Share a story with us about your journey that you haven't shared publicly. It can be something you did that was funny. It can be a win. It can be a fail. It can be an aha moment. Let us know about you as the entrepreneur a little bit. Ooh, you weren't ready for that one. Got so many to choose from. I'll just first one off the top of my head. Uh, I remember being on a flight to Orlando in 20, it must have been early 2017. I was living in Vegas, just kind of getting started doing my thing full time. I had just done a webinar with someone. I was selling like a, like a little course for 197 on the webinar, 197 bucks. And I was like, okay, on the actual live webinar, a couple people bought, cool, like awesome. I was a little bit disappointed. And I'm on this plane and I'm like, I'm exhausted, man. I'm like sleeping. I was going to go to this big conference and I was going to stay at an Airbnb that was literally 30 minutes away from the conference each way because I couldn't afford to stay at the hotel. And, and even that trip, I think I, I put on a credit card originally, which was, which is funny, like in Vegas for only on the plane ticket. Anyway, I'm on the plane, I'm sleeping. I get to my little Airbnb. I check in, I log into Stripe, which I was using at the time. I was like, oh, three sales. I'm like, wait a minute. These sales came when I was on this plane. So I made $600 literally in my sleep. So it's kind of a cool moment. It was like, oh, this stuff is, is real moment. Like, you know, sometimes those are little breadcrumbs and the grand steward things, it's not a huge moment, but it kind of is. So that that's one of those moments where you, you look at online and sometimes I think it's that moment. Everyone has it, even with capital raising, even with, you know, marketing themselves online. It's like the first win or the first win that really gets you to see what's possible. And if it's a small one, maybe it's the first meeting you book with an investor, or maybe it's the first time someone reaches out to you on social media, hey, you posted that, you know, how does an investing thing work? Maybe the first time, you know, someone wires you $50,000, say, to invest alongside you. So it's those little moments where you're just like, okay, I got, got a taste. Yeah. Now let's go deeper. What, what else is possible? Yep, you're right, man. Having that moment of, belief in going, oh crap, I see what's possible. I've only just barely scratched the surface. It's very exciting, very invigorating. So I'll share this. So we have another company called Wind River Equity Partners and we have a short-term rental fund. So I have not had the time of the bandwidth at all lately to help work on that and get my own investors. But ironically, in the last week, I've had two buddies reach out, hey, got some capital invest. What do you think? One buddy was talking about putting a lot of money in the stock market. I'm like, bro, chill out with that shit now. Calm down. I said, you need to check out what I'm doing. Invest or don't invest, you need to check it out. So another buddy, talking to another buddy today, same thing. And it's like, uh, will one of these guys invest or both? Maybe, but just again, like you said, for me as a brand new capital raiser uh, in the other business, just seeing that these conversations can come. It's not me begging somebody to invest. It's not me like, please invest. It's like, oh, you're going to invest in something anyway. Okay, let me just give you another option. Let me show you what jason writes into and i'm relying on them respecting me enough to go he wouldn't be involved if it was 
not a great opportunity or shady or weird or whatever. So it, it's really cool. And I think sometimes on that note, people who are new to capital raising, they get scared. How am I going to convince people to give me their money? These people in a lot of cases are already looking to place their money somewhere. So can you appear confident in what you're doing? Do you need to know everything? No, but are you even confident in what you're talking about? Like that goes a long way. It goes a really long way. And a lot of people watching and listening, maybe they've raised a ton of money, but they can probably still remember what that first moment was like. I think this person's going to invest. How cool is that? So anyway, whatever. You know, it's about being attractive to attract the money. It's being attractive. If it feels like you're begging someone or if it feels like you're just like super needy, it's unattractive. Seems easy. Yeah. People in general for me, get out of it. Get away from me. Go away. So it's like, I want something for me. Like I want something like it's, it's a, it's a terrible state to be in. So like that story you shared, you know, you're just being attractive. You're kind of doing your thing and yourself out there, living your life. You've maintained relationships with these guys. They reach out to you. They trust you. You're like, Hey, I have something that might be attractive to you. Let's yeah. talk about it. And it's that you necessarily having to sell them. You're presenting the opportunity, answering questions if they have it. And you know, they, at the end of the day, I don't know about you, but this is kind of how I've evolved as a buyer too. You don't have to sell me something, but I have to buy it. So when I go to buy something, whether it's a service product, anything that's, you know, not like a little trinket. So anytime I go to make a buying decision, the way that I buy is I want to learn about the process. I want to learn about the person behind it. And I want to learn, like, okay, you know, what's, what's the transformation with the value proposition, what's in it for me. Then I want to have space to make the decision. If someone's like, Hey, you have to act now. I'm like, if I'm really not feeling it, I guess it's not a fit. Thank you. To me, there's almost an ick factor. If I'm, if I feel the pressure, I'm like, that's not attractive to me because it's very pushy. Now on the flip side, I used to be like that. I used to be like that pushy guy. You know, I do a lot of presentations and it was like, Hey, act now, run to the back, get out your credit card. Stuff works really well, but in it to a certain point with a certain mindset of a person, and if someone's at a little bit of a different level, has a little bit of a different outlook, they're going to be like, screw you. I decide what to buy when it feels right for me, not because of you're using some like weird tactic. Yeah. Yeah. And along those lines, it's like, you've got emotional buyers, you have logical buyers, and you have people that respond to fear of missing out or urgency. And I'm the same way as you. Like if I'm going to go buy a car, I would do my research. I'm going to show up. I'm going to say, Hey, I want to drive these three cars if I like when I'll yeah. buy. If you give me any shit, I'm going to be like, bro, tune that shit off. Otherwise, I'm out. I don't need your car. I'll go buy it somewhere else. There's nothing you're going to say to make me excited. You're just going to piss me off more. Or if we do it my way, it's going to be an easy day for you. You get in the passenger seat, let me drive. Let's talk. You know. So the worst is like the door-to-door salesman. When they should, we get like two a year at this house now. And I'll open the door and I'll just go like this. Stop talking. You drove by a big non-soliciting sign when you get here. So when you came in, so you're dead on arrival today. Like, don't talk. Time to go. And usually, and I'm nice like that, but if they keep pushing, I'll be like, this is the last time I'm going to ask nicely. Then I'm going to turn into a monster and you're not going to like that side of me. And I got loud with the guy one time. And he was like, I'm done. I'm like, bro, you're just not listening. You're not listening to what I'm telling you. We're on my port. You need to leave now. You know, you're just annoying me. So... It's a big thing. No respect to those guys too, because that that's a whole different animal. Even if someone's like making a cold call, you know, I just don't pick up the phone. It's kind of like you just don't open the door. Someone's door to door, like you know, they're in uniform, a lot of kind of stuff. We just we just don't do that. But 
I think it's like understanding what's someone's level of awareness around the product and also um, meeting them where they're at. Sometimes I think it's really actually a good idea to slow play a process. Someone's like, nah, because if you, if you push them into it, it's either going to be a yes or a no right now, where it could have been a, an easy yes a couple of days later. We don't need to necessarily push it. And then I'll say too, with that, you know, if it's one of those things where someone is skeptical, that's okay too, because that shows that they're actually interested, right? Otherwise they wouldn't be spending time asking the questions or being as diligent. So celebrate that and kind of low with that rather than be like, oh, this person's giving me a hard time. But I think, yeah, the more confident of a buyer you have, like you said with the car, they're going to come in, they're going to have done a little bit of research. They're going to have a rough idea of what they'd like to experience. And if you can provide that solution and answer questions if they have it, you can pretty much be an order taker and let, let them buy or let them invest. Absolutely. So I'd love to hear your advice on this. Let's say you are talking to a brand new capital raiser. If you just had to give them a singular bullet point of marketing advice, what, what would you tell them? Be more specific. Your uh, chances are your ideal investor isn't just someone who has money, right? Because like, oh, who's your idea then? What I'm like, what's your ideal investor? Somebody with money and I wait for more. I'm like, that's it. It's too bad. It's a very, actually a very scarce way to look at it. Cause it's like, oh, anyone who has money, I'll just take their money because I need to get money. It's more like, or someone will say a doctor or a lawyer. Well, newsflash, some doctors and lawyers don't have that much money actually, or they're <laughs> stupid at their money. They're stupid at investing. Yeah. And, and, and it's very saturated. So it's like the more specific you can be, the easier it gets because it, it's all, it's relatively the, the same buying process, right? It's just like, you could have the same lead magnet, for example, or the same post, but if you're talking to like, let's say software engineers, talking to software engineers, instead of saying busy professionals, you put in busy software engineers. The, the rest of the thing is the same, right? So being specific and being willing to do that. And also like understanding that there's so much money out there. And I think there's 10 million accredited investors, maybe, maybe a little more. I don't know the exact figure. And even if you're doing like a 506B, for example, they don't even have to be accredited, right? And also to never dismiss whether someone is capable of investing. If you're doing a 506B and you're like, oh, that person is broke. They might be, but they may have 250 G's sitting in a bank account they inherited from their aunt last week. They don't know where the hell to put it. So having more conversations is another thing. Like just talk about what you do and be attractive. And that starts to opportunity. Yep. I like it. Let's talk about you for a moment. This is July, into July, 2023. As you look forward to the end of this year, what are you most focused on in your business? Well, I'm going to be turning 30 at the end of this year. Oh boy. Yeah, there, there's something a lot of people don't know. I usually don't disclose that publicly, but uh, I'm, I'm kidding. It, it doesn't matter. But like most people don't, most people wouldn't know, right? It's like, oh, how old are you? So yeah, I'm turning third of the big 3-0 at the end of this year. The biggest thing right now is really scaling our processes, right? We've got some great people in place. And for me right now, it's getting the hell out of the way. It's like, okay, providing vision and then doing my best to like fill the funnel and talk more about what we do and how we work with people and present in different ways rather than any of the operational things. That's a really, really big thing for me. It's, it's a muscle. I'm still in that process as we're talking right now, but it's, I don't know about you, but it's one of the most rewarding things in the world when you have someone on your team and they have a responsibility and they just own that and they do that probably better than you could have done. One of the most rewarding things in the world because you see the person stepping up and growing and just really 
it really adds value and you can see them like more confident and more like empowered about it as well. So it's, it's one of that, that's where a lot of my focus is. And I'm making sure that we make everything that we offer and do that much more simplified, that much more streamlined, that we, any fluff that we might have or anything that might be confusing, just having, you know, we're creating graphics for everything, for example. Simplification is a, is a big word. And another big thing is quality over quantity. So make sure that people understand that everything that we create, everything that we work for people, and we want to attract quality people, which we do, but, you know, having more of that quantity of quality and also, um, being, having that depth with people, right. That's where quality comes in, right. You know, having these lifelong relationships, right. So making sure people really get that because there's so many layers you can go with marketing, with investor attraction, capital raising, and really opening the door for people to go deeper with that stuff. Not about just one funnel or, you know, one campaign or one post. It's not about just having like some cool magic trick. That stuff is neat. That stuff might get people excited, but it's about having a holistic approach. Just like, you know, you have a holistic approach to building cash flow or building wealth. It's about having a holistic approach to raising more capital, attracting investors and putting yourself out there. Yep. Beautiful. I like everything that you're saying and everything you do in your business. Your future is bright now, but I think you're just going to keep rising up, my friend. If I didn't believe that, I wouldn't tell you that. I'm a nice guy, but I'm as direct as they come. So I appreciate well, that, brother. Uh, Yakov, if people listening or watching want to learn more about you and what you're doing, tell us how they can do so. A couple quick ways. So I've got a podcast as well. Jason has actually been a guest. So one of the one of our best episodes, actually, called The Raising Capital Show. It's all about raising capital. It's available anywhere you listen to podcasts. Then to find out more about me, findmoreinvestors.com is the website. If people want to watch one of our trainings, findmoreinvestors.com forward slash training. They can watch a webinar and kind of get involved and understand, okay, but what is this that can help them find more investors and raise more capital, how it works. And yeah, there, there's a lot of opportunity out there. And I do want to say one more thing, Jason, I think no matter where the economy goes, I think that there's going to be great opportunity out there to raise money. I think it's, it's only going to get bigger because if you can be aggressive and assertive and educate people with your marketing and build more relationships, even in a down economy, you, you're really solving a problem because when the economy goes down, stock markets. So you have a solution to that problem. So I really want to encourage people to, um, make, if they're not doing it already, right. And they're listening to you, they probably are, but even to another level, make your marketing a priority, like really understand you're in the marketing business more so than anything else that translates to more relationships that translates to raising more capital. Beautiful. Well said, man. Well, I really appreciate our time together. I had a, an awesome experience. I hope you did as well. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate you, man. Thank you for having me. This has been great. And yeah, thank you everyone for listening and being here with us as well. Thank you for listening to this episode of the show. I had a great time making it, and I hope you really enjoyed yourself listening to it. If you want to keep up with all things Real Estate Investor Marketing Stories podcast related, I encourage you strongly to go to reimarketingstories.com and signing up for our podcast newsletter. We will simply keep you up to date with what's going on with the show, new episodes, and things like that. reimarketingstories.com. So hopefully today's episode and the other episodes that you'll listen to will remind you that as a real estate investor, everybody starts at the beginning, okay? 
Um, our guest today and the other guests that you will hear on the show will share their real story, right? They'll tell you what worked, what didn't work. And I want you to remember one thing if you remember nothing else today. It's possible for you to, okay? Never stop going and keep following your passion. Finally, today's show has been brought to you by CapitalRaisingAutomations.com. If you're an active capital raiser and you're ready to learn the three areas that are holding you back from raising more capital, I strongly suggest you check out CapitalRaisingAutomations.com. Check out our free 10-minute video there, and you let me know if it doesn't provide you value. I'm sure it will. All right, thanks again for listening to the show this week. Hope to see you next time. Take care.